Most of our passage you heard takes place on this seven-mile road between Jerusalem and Emmaus. And this is very much like Luke, the author of the Gospel of Luke. You remember the story way back at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus' birth? And the drama really picks up when Mary and Joseph are traveling along a road from Nazareth to Bethlehem, where Jesus is born. Then a little bit later in the Gospel of Luke, one of his most famous parables, a man was going down a road from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was robbed and beaten and eventually saved by a good Samaritan. Another road. Almost the entire second half of the Gospel of Luke, from the end of chapter 9 to kind of midway of chapter 19, Jesus is slowly but surely traveling a road to Jerusalem. And then the book of Acts, also authored by Luke, the famous Apostle Paul first encounters Jesus, his name is Saul at that point, on the road to Damascus. I point all this out simply to say that for Luke, roads are a defining feature of a lot of these key narratives that if you've been around the church for some time, you kind of know. For Luke, there, there seems to be something about the space of traveling, of walking, of moving from one place to another, something about transition space, something about the space where you're just trying to get there and so you usually don't think about it, you kind of overlook it. It's, it's something about this space that is ripe for a God opportunity. Today, it's the road to Emmaus, and we're walking with Cleopas. And these two disciples, we hear they're doing what anyone would be doing after a, a, a big moment. They're talking about all the things that have happened, and somewhere in the midst of their walking and talking and trying to figure it all out, Jesus himself draws near. We read, their eyes were kept from recognizing him. That's a strange phrase. Who's keeping their eyes? Their grief, their expectations, God? We're not told, but we know enough to know that often things happen on roads, and maybe the point is that Jesus himself often shows up on the roads far before we recognize him. And how? How might Jesus show up, even if we didn't recognize him? What might be the first hint that maybe this is the risen Christ speaking here, working here? Well, in our passage, he arrives with a question. What are you discussing as you walk along with one another? They're a little bit flabbergasted. Are you are the only one in Jerusalem that hasn't heard about all, all the things? And then he asks another question. What things? What a great moment. The God who knows all things joins in the journey and says, yeah, what, what's going on? Tell me about it. Of course, you think about your best teachers, best counselors, best coaches, best mentors, even best friends. I bet at least one critical common thing they have in common, they ask good questions. Jesus could have begun right here with these two disciples teaching the scriptures, telling them, look, here's all the things that happened, here's how it worked, and it's me, ta-da. <laughs> Jesus is a master rabbi, teacher. 
The best teachers lean in with questions, right? Because questions invite a full exploration, a connection. Questions invite an open space. Questions are a form of grace. And honestly, if you search out all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see time and again, Jesus, the master rabbi, ministers by way of questions. What do you want? Why are you terrified? How many loaves do you have? How do you read it? Who do you say that I am? Do you love me? 307 times in the Bible, Jesus asks a question. He asks way more questions than he answers. And how often the risen Jesus continues to minister by way of questions. I'll never forget how we were looking at this exact passage three years ago. This time, about six or so weeks after the beginning of the pandemic. And almost nobody was in this space. If you were part of this church at that time, you were live streaming in this particular space. Philip was here. Jeff was here. Might have been one or two others helping with sound. I'm not sure. Uh, but uniquely, David Lee Holsey was here as the liturgist that day. And we had the Seaman family with us because Hendricks, Roscoe, and Maggie were baptized in worship on that day. And so David Lee gets up here to do the children's moment with all the children over live stream and then those three up front. And he's talking about the road of life and all the things you need to pack on the road of life and how to travel well on the road of life. And right after he prays, Maggie Siemens hand shoots up. And does anyone remember the question that she asked? What if it's a long road? Or long, it may have been trip, but what if it's a long trip? What if it's a long road? And it felt like she was articulating something really big for all of us as we were sitting in that wondering and anxiety and, and what ifs and what's next of that early pandemic. What, what if it's a long road? And I began to wonder if that moment, was that grace? Was that Jesus through Maggie showing up in a way maybe we almost didn't recognize? Is that Jesus who's long been fond of ministering by way of questions and by way of children too, by the way? Was that Jesus preparing us for the road by way of a question? I wonder how we articulate where and how Jesus has shown up on the long road these past three years. Well, the two disciples, they do respond to Jesus' questions about what's been going on. They, they tell him the facts about what's happened in Jerusalem and this crucifixion and then this, uh, this empty tomb. But there's another thing here that a good, honest question does. Like grace, they open us, right? Because eventually we hear... The disciples not just responding with the facts, but also their heart. But we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. They make clear the road they're on is one of profound disappointment and grief. 
They'd really believe Jesus would be the Messiah to confront the, the Roman Empire and, and, and overcome and, and raise up the people of Israel again and, and even greater than they used to be. And, 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 and now he's, he's crucified at the hands of the empire. We had hoped. All of us are on some kind of road at all times, right? Some kind of movement from one thing to another, one opportunity to another, one challenge to another, one transition. But, but few roads are as challenging as the road of great disappointment and grief. We had hoped. We had hoped to overcome this challenge by now. We, we had hoped for a different diagnosis. We had hoped the church in North America would be a, a continually growing people and center of activity and life and love throughout all of North America. We'd hoped surely there would be no more. Not, not after Columbine. I mean, not, not after Blacksburg, not after Sandy Hook, Parkland, Santa Fe, Uvalde. Nashville. We, we had hoped. We had hoped the administration, we'd hoped the leadership, we'd heard that person was going to turn the tide. We'd hoped the addiction was not going to rear its head again. We, heavy is the we had hoped road. I wonder how we name the particular contours of that this day. The disciples, they, they go from there and they just they talk about the strange, astonishing thing the women had, women had shared with them in this empty tomb. And having heard it all, having heard the depth of the lament, Jesus speaks a word. And goodness knows you need a word from the Lord when you're on the we had hoped road. What is God's word? How foolish you are and slow of heart to believe all the things the prophets declared. That is not what you expect for the grief stricken. Just when you're about to put God in a box about how God is always going to show up by way of a question, always by way of a compassionate Samaritan stranger, always by way of the prodigal embrace, just when we have God pinned down to how God works, God goes with how foolish you are. Of course, the issue here is not to land a condescending insult. Jesus is trying to wake them up to the fundamental thing on which the whole of his teaching, the whole of his life, death, and resurrection hinges upon, namely... That the way unto true glory, power, new life, the way unto a, li a rising unto life stronger than death itself is always through the road of suffering. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter glory? Then, beginning with Moses and the prophets, he teaches how that story is told over and over in the scriptures. Here, let me show you again. God's way is never over or under or around, but always through the heart of the we had hoped road. And so this Jesus you lament had failed you, he went through the depth of that road. And the tomb is empty. What might that mean? Does it with this God, if that's the promise, does it with this God mean that the story is over or just 
beginning. Yeah, well, the road is long. So where? Where is the new beginning? If this is true, if with this God, there's a new rising at work from the depths, where? Well, last month we hosted, as some of you know, folks from the Dialogue Institute of Austin in this space. And they, as Turkish Muslims, they taught us about the practice of fasting, the month of Ramadan, the, the iftar meal that we were sharing in that night, the meal that's shared every night of Ramadan. It's this huge feast. You break the fast. You celebrate with family and friends and strangers alike. In this space, we had some 80 or 90 of us gathered, uh, half of us from First Presbyterian and half from the Dialogue Institute of Austin. And second time we've done this, and, and something struck me this, this past gathering. I sat at a table with someone I talked with for a good bit last year. Got to catch up, and I heard a bit more of his story. His home being in Turkey, and he had to flee Turkey because of, of violence and, and legitimate fear of, of persecution. And so a few years ago, he left all that he knew, and most of the folks that he loved, the degree that meant something over there and nothing over here, and he and his core family moved into the unknown. A road, a road filled with all kinds of disappointment and grief and fear and questions about how long. Eventually, he found a community of fellow Muslims from Turkey in Austin. A job, a house, the children are in the school system, a, a home. I mean, not the home home that can never be replaced in, in, in Turkey, but but a home, and a home that, that he and his friends from the Dialogue Institute of Austin generously share alongside of and extend even people like me. In fact, if anything, it was like this man and, and his friends there that night showed up and they were welcomed generously by all of us, but, but, but they themselves became something of the host of the meal. I mean, they provided the food. Over, over the meal, they had their stories about finding home after home and, and had a way of welcoming us amidst our own searchings. And then even some of our Muslim friends there that night invited some of you into their literal houses for another iftar meal later that week. I left marveling at how the guests in this space became the hosts and made clear a kind of hope on the impossible road. The disciples in our story invite this stranger into their home. And you heard he becomes host over the meal itself, taking the bread, breaking, blessing and breaking it. And it's there. It's there they see him. There they see that the road unto the cross and through the cross is not the end, but, but the beginning of, of, of a profoundly new life they could never have asked for or imagined. Luke has roads all over his gospel and all over the book of Acts. But you know the other thing Luke has all kinds of in his gospel, and his gospel especially? Meals. Which is to say roads and meals, traveling and resting, walking and eating. Jesus is there on the road, oftentimes unrecognized, but there, perhaps by way of the questions that are being asked 
and most certainly at the meals with one another, with strangers. These are spaces so ordinary, so unspectacular, so not headline worthy. But the promise of our long passage is that this is precisely the wide space in which the risen Jesus plants the seed of a new beginning. May we have ears to hear, eyes to see, mouths even to taste the grace of the new beginning that is at hand. Amen.